Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Numbers 16, if you turn to Numbers chapter 16, let's look, look over there. Lord, we just pray you speak to us through your word in Yeshua's name. Thank you for your word. We pray you open our eyes and speak to us. Thank you. Amen. I'm enjoying taking a verse from Proverbs each day and doing it on Facebook. If you're able to catch that, I'm trying to get to that every morning. Uh, we will be at the Messiah Conference, so I don't know. I'm going to still, still hope to be able to do it, but we'll see. Um, but taking a verse from the day of the month from Proverbs and just doing something on it. I won't have resources, tools to study from that I'd like to, being on the road, but I will uh, still try to put something out. But this is the parsha here. We are Numbers Korach. Korach is Korah in Hebrew. But let me start out and say this. How do you feel when you're driving a little fast and a police car comes up behind you and keeps following you? Uh, Never Never happened, yeah. What's the feeling you get? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm always going too fast. My wife's always yelling at me, always saying, slow down, slow down, you know? It's like, you have that, Sean, too? It's like... (laughs) <laughs> Never. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, so what's that feeling you get, you know? Well, I want some believers are self-appointed policemen in the body of Messiah. And you always feel like, you're, like they're about to pounce on you for any infraction. You know, I want to just say, so beware of a critical spirit, a judgmental spirit. And I think it it goes along with this passage today. Um, some people are just, unfortunately, very quick to point out our faults. They're quick to point out faults in others while being very blind to their own faults. And we can be very, I'll just put it, always personalize it. I can be quick to point out someone else's fault rather than, and be very blind to my own. And Yeshua spoke to that, didn't he? Very clearly in Matthew 7, he said, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck, the splinter, whatever, from your eye, and look, a plank, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the 
plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Well, even more dangerous when it involves rendering judgment on those in positions of divinely placed, divinely placed authority. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. Romans 14.4 says, Who are you who judges to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Now, the root of this kind of thing is usually of that, that spirit is self-righteousness, of a critical spirit is self-righteousness. Paul says it this way, says, for, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart, the secrets of the heart. So don't be quick to judge because I can't see everything clearly. The Lord's going to reveal everything in its time. And he's going to reveal things, and we'll see things very differently. James 4.12, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you, James says, James or Jacob, who are you to judge another? So let's look at this passage in Numbers 16. It's a pretty strong passage. And we'll just see what it says. Now, Korah, the son of Ishar, and it mentions three people, basically, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And these are cousins of Moses and Aaron. Uh, they rose up before Moses with some of the children, 250 leaders of the congregation, men of renown, men of name, Shem in Hebrew. And it basically describes they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. They said, you take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them. Everyone's holy, and the Lord is among them. God's with everybody. Why do you exalt yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? What we have here is really basically like a mutiny. It was a hostile takeover, a rebellion led by Korah with co-conspirators Dathan and Abiram against the divinely appointed leadership of Moses and his brother Aaron. Now, Korah was... Moses and Aaron's first cousin, and so he launched the mutiny along with 250 powerful leaders, and it was politically motivated out of a root of envy and resentment. Korah felt that he was passed over for a prominent position that rightfully belonged to him, and so he seduced them by appealing to their desire to restore the role of the firstborn to Levi and to secure a high, in order to secure a higher status. So it's basically an attempted usurping coup d'etat. And so we have it in these verses, these were, he gathers up with these men of renown, again, the word is Shem, men of name, they're important people, all the important people, who'd been appointed to the council, and they assembled it against Moses and Aaron, and they said, Rav, Rav Lechem, Rav Lechem, which literally in Hebrew is great for you, great for you. Uh, you've gone too far, translates. All the community is holy, is Kiddushim, all of them, uh, Kulam, all of them. 
And the Lord is with them. He's in their midst, literally. He's in their midst. Why then do you exalt yourselves, or nasa, lift yourselves up above the assembly of the Lord? And so what they're actually accusing Moses and Aaron of is the very opposite of their spirit and character, but it was reflective of their own. So they were blind. It was like a mirror. And look at Moses' response. When Moses heard it, he fell on his face. He humbled himself before God rather than retaliate and react toward them. He basically said, I'll let God deal with this. And then he says in verse 5, he said to Korah and all his following, saying, in the morning the Lord will reveal who is his and who is holy. The one whom he will let come near to him will be the one he chooses to come near to him. So basically he's saying, I'll let the Lord judge between us. Romans 12, 19 says, Never take your own revenge, loved ones, but give room for God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Or in Psalm 37, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Further on it says in Psalm 37, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. It's another verse. In Psalm 2, it also says that he that sits in the heavens laughs. God is always in control. Moses doesn't, doesn't need to defend himself. He knows God will do a much better job. And so his response is three times it says here that Moses and Aaron fall on their faces. Verses 4 and then also verses 21 and 22 when God was going to consume them at once, God says, I'm going to consume them. Moses and Aaron fall on their faces and they cry out. They begin to intercede. And then in verses 41, 44, and 45 when the entire community grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the Lord said he would consume them, Moses and Aaron again fall, they fell on their faces. And this should be our response to false accusations or being impugned with false motives, fear for people, not anger at people. I repeat, fear for people, not anger at people. Because God is going to defend you if it's, if it's wrong. God is going to be your defense. So, and he's going to judge. So, you don't, you know, I always remember that they used to have, when I was first saved, I used to love chick tracks. Did anyone ever have those, those comic book tracks? I used to love them. We used to read them all the time. And there was this one that were the, the guys, I think it was the, the, uh, the guy was like cursing out the other person and he said, uh, and, he, and, he, and he's trying to do all to them. And then the next thing you know, his 
he was doing that against the believer, and the next thing you know, his car's like running off a cliff. <laughs> and then he goes, oh no, he never, he should have prayed for him. You know, it's like he never prayed because his, his car went off the cliff. You know, he didn't pray for him. But it's not so far from the truth, you know. If we don't intercede, and this is what Moses and Aaron do, they intercede. If we don't intervene for people, God's judgment is going to fall. Sometimes our prayers are going to be the only things that will Inter, that will either delay it or stop it. And it does happen here in this story because the instigators, uh, Korah and, his fa- and their families and the people, the main people and their families, they're swall- they do get, ju- they get swallowed up into the earth. Earth opens up and swallows them. Oop! And they go down alive into the earth, into Sheol. And then uh, a fire comes from heaven and kills a whole lot of other people. And 15,000 in the end are, are dead. But then a plague breaks out, and is, God is destroying everyone, and Moses and Aaron are interceding, and they bring uh, incense and, and uh, intervene and, with atonement, and the plague stops. And, if the, and, and so they, it, it was because of their intervention and their intercession that it stopped. Now, the Bible says, For exaltation comes not from the east, nor from the west, nor even from the desert. For God is the judge. He lowers one, and he lifts up another. In Psalm 75, verses 7 and 8. God is the one that lowers, lifts up, and puts down. Paul said, He has saved us, and he's called us with a holy calling, not because of our deeds, not because we're great, not any of us, but because of his own purpose and grace. And that was a great, Sean, that was beautiful. Loved what you shared uh, in the devotional the, for, the, for the Messiah's remembrance. It's beautiful. No matter what our condition, we, we don't come in our strength. We come not, not because we're righteous, but we, to, to be ministered to from the, the, the Messiah's remembrance. It was beautiful. And it says, not because of our deeds, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Messiah Yeshua before time began. So who is our defense? The Lord, right? The Lord is my defense. Let God reveal whom he has anointed to lead was Moses' strateg- plan here. And in Psalm 27, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread when evildoers approached me to devour my flesh, my adversaries, and my foes? They stumbled and they fell. Though an army camp besieges me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me. By the way, if this is, these of course are Psalms. I don't know, I, probably this one was particularly by David. I didn't, can't, don't have it right. In, I, I, I would have to look right now. But, you know, a lot of the Psalms, if we didn't go through difficulties, you'd never even resource, like refer to them, Right. Some uh, the difficulties that we face a lot of times and the battles we face cause us to go to those psalms and pray them, right? And need them and find how beautiful the treasures in the psalms. And this is one of them. He says, you know, my, the, the, my adversaries and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army and camp besieged me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even this will I be confident. For in the day of trouble, he'll hide me in his sukkah. In his booth, his sukkah, his tabernacle, conceal me in the shelter of his tent and set me high upon a rock. 
Then will my head be high above my enemies round about me. Hear, Adonai, when I call with my voice, be gracious to me and answer me. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. Surely I trust that I will see the goodness of Adonai in the land of the living. Wait for Adonai, be strong. Let your heart take courage and wait for Adonai. Wait for the Lord. Wait. In his time, not ours. Praise the Lord, right? Moses' response was similar to David's in 2 Samuel 16, similar to Stephen's, Lord, hold not this sin to their charge when he was being stoned in Acts 7, to Paul's when he, he, he says the same thing. He says, may it not be held to their, he didn't want them to perish because of what they were doing against him in 2 Timothy 4, 16. And Yeshua's, of course, forgive them for they what? They don't know what they're doing. He, Yeshua, he said, well, of course they know what they're doing. No, he, he says, they don't know what they're doing. And it wasn't, when falsely accused and mistreated, judgment is going to come. Because Psalm 105, verse 15 says, touch not my anointed ones. And every child, every believer, everyone who is, you know, belongs to the Lord is an anointed one. We are, you know, uh, anointed, we belong to the Messiah, the Mashiach. Messiah means an anointed one, and we belong to the Messiah. We're in him. Every, and, and, of course, as we are attached to him, as we're walking with him, we're anointed ones, and we're called by, and he says, touch not my anointed one, and do my prophets no harm. So every, judgment is going to come, but the question is, will we stand in the gap to prevent it or to, to delay it? Um, you know, I saw someone recently. I, I, it was God had me see someone I, who had, you know, I ran into them, and I was going into a, uh, a restaurant, uh, or a place, you know, to order something, to go, and uh, and I went in, I and I, and there, there they were, this person who had deeply betrayed and hurt me, and I, and I, and you know what it was neat was I, I saw them, and my heart was just filled with love. I hadn't seen them in a long time. I said, hi, so-and-so. I was just, you know, and the person wouldn't look at me and wouldn't say anything back. So I thought, maybe they didn't hear me. So I said, hi. Wouldn't look at me, wouldn't say anything back. And so, you know, it's like, oh, okay. So I just kept going, and it shook me up a little bit, you know, and I felt, I'll be honest, I mean, but I just said, I just thought, how sad, you know? But I thought, well, thank you, Lord, that at least it was a test for me that I knew my heart had forgiven, you know, and that I wasn't holding. I, it was a test. Now, I'm not saying I couldn't still have to deal with it later or maybe, you know, I always have to make sure, to, you know, check it again uh, if something else happened. But, but uh, anyway, you know, this is an interesting story because you think about what happened with this thing against Moses and Aaron. Was this not the scenario in heaven's past when Lucifer, envious of God's position, aspired and attempted to usurp it and make himself like Elion, like the Most High? Isaiah 14, 14. You said in your heart, it says, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit 
Upon the mount of meeting, in the uttermost parts of the north, I will ascend above the high places of the clouds. I will make myself like Elion, like God Most High. Yet you will be brought down to Sheol, to the lower, lowest parts of the pit. Isaiah 14, verses 13 through 15. Revelation 12, 9, it says, And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Two historical uprisings of similar demonic spirit, but which have repeated themselves time and time again throughout history, against God's faithful people. Envy, jealousy, pride, ego, seduction, deception, accusation, in time, judgment, and in time, vindication. The Apostle Paul was very familiar with this as well when he warns in Romans 16, Verses 17 and 18, he says, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, keep your eye on those who are causing divisions and stumbling blocks contrary to the teaching that you've learned. And avoid, he says, avoid them. Turn away from them. What are the teachings they had learned? The love of God centered on Yeshua-centered, gospel of the grace of God. For such people, he said, do not serve our Lord the Messiah, but only their own belly, their own appetite. By their smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. And he wrote this, this he wrote immediately after remembering over 30 amazing saints and greeting one of them, one another with a holy kiss. He mentions four times. Remember, he tries to end his letter. He says, he says oh, remember this one. Greet them with a kiss. Oh, greet that one. Greet that one. He says, and he follows this with a, this subsequent admonition, be wise, about, be wise about what is good and innocent about what's evil. And a promise that the God of Shalom will soon crush Satan under your feet. This incident of Korah, or Korah, mentioned is mentioned elsewhere in Scripture. It's mentioned in Numbers 26, verses 9 and 10. They rebelled, it says, against Moses and Aaron, following of Torah in their rebellion against Adonai. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, swallowed up them, them with Korah. The fire consumed, serving as a warning. Uh, Psalm 106, verses 16 and 17 says they envied Moses in the camp. The earth opened up, swallowed Dathan, mentions a fire that were consumed. And in Jude 1.11, it says that they, the ungodly people who secretly slipped in, who pervert the grace of God into indecency, in verse 4, it says that in Korah's rebellion, they've been destroyed. So it's mentioned several places, and it's given as a warning. So look back at verses 9 and 10 in chapter 16. We see... Moses says to them, isn't it enough? It's literally little to you. Ha-me'at, me'at, me'at is little. Little, me'at, the, the little 
Mechem, Mechem, belittle to you that the God of Israel has set you apart from the community, the congregation of Israel, to bring you near to him, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the community to minister to them. So he brought you close along with all your fellow sons of Levi, but you're seeking the priesthood too? That's not enough for you? They weren't satisfied with their God-appointed positions as the guardians of the tabernacle, being of the tribe of Levi, but they wanted to share the Aaronic priesthood as well. Most people that serve are humble, but there are those that have an inflated ego, a secret agenda aspiring to personal greatness. They believe that they deserve to be in the limelight. And they're not satisfied with lifting up others, but accuse others of what they actually desire for themselves. It's sad when you see it. But thank God for the the majority. Do what Yeshua said. Yeshua said, the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve. And this is what Moses and Aaron were were modeling. Or, example, or even examples of Matthew 20, 28. Proverbs 29, verse 1 says, He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck, stiffens his neck, it's the history of our people, will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. He keeps resisting that correction. And Moses, God tells Moses in verses 21 and 22, Separate yourselves from among the assembly so that I may consume them at once. He says, you know, the Lord's going to fight, do this. But Moses and Aaron don't stop. They intercede for the people. As we said in verses 32 and 33 is where it records, if you look, the, the earth opens its mouth, swallows up Korach's people the, with their households and possessions, and they go alive into Sheolda. Then it closed over them, and they were gone from the community then fire came from God's presence, consumes 250 men offering incense, and God's going to destroy the rest, but Moses and Aaron uh, sent, sent Aaron into the middle of the assembly where God was already bringing the judgment by a plague, and Aaron offers incense and made atonement for the people, verses 47 and 48. It's a long chapter, so just pointing to the verses. And the word incense, kater in Hebrew, it means to screen out. The burning, the emitting of the smoke, to screen out. Atonement, kafar, let's say kafar. Kafar is atonement, means to cover and to protect. So let's say kater, kater that's the an incense, and then katar, atonement, all right? These are the two things, and I'll, be, I'll finish with this. He, it says in verse 48, he stood, this is the great, such a great verse, he stood between the dead and the living. He stood between those that were already killed by the plague, the dead, and those that had not yet been killed by the plague, the living. And what happened? Yeah, it stopped. The plague was stopped. The word stopped, at, atzar, it means literally it, it was um, stopped. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was not, it could not continue. 
And so we can't change the past, but we can change the future. And they stood, the word stand means they to, to take preparation to, ask, to, to act. We stand like they did. We stand, Ahmad, and it stops, Atsar. We take our position to act. For we are to God, 2 Corinthians 2 says, we are to God, the end of two, chapter 2, we are to God the fragrance of the Messiah among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one where the aroma of death leading to death and the other of the, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? This is what we are. Who is sufficient for this? But yet God has given us that. That's our ministry. We offer the burning, smoky incense of intercession that's screening out the enemy, so to speak, on the basis of Yeshua's sacrifice, which becomes a protective covering against the judgment. And 2 Corinthians 5 says that God has reconciled us to himself through the Messiah, and he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. That's the ministry he's given us now. God was in Messiah reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he's entrusted this message of reconciliation to us. We're ambassadors of that message in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. Isn't that great? That's our message. We bring that message. We're this fragrance, this aroma of the Messiah, and those that are perishing, those that are being saved. We have an amazing ministry as ambassadors of the Messiah. And we're not bringing people a message of telling them all about their sins. We're telling them that their sins have been taken away through the Messiah. We're telling them that there's hope. We're telling them that's why we always have a great message. We always have a message of, 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 that, that can bring people out of it and that can make the plague stop because that's the answer we have. 15,000 were dead. And the next chapter, by the way, is the budding of Aaron's rod, which is, which is the same, really, the, the, showing the God's choice. It was, you know, a beautiful passage. But uh, praise God for the ministry that we have and for the response that we can have that Moses has. Let's, I'm going to stop there. Father, we just thank you for this passage, the story today of Korach and the rebellion and that took place. We thank you, Lord, for the lesson that it has for us, the, the, the warning that it is for us, and that we can learn from it. And we thank you, Lord, that we have a position right now, and I'm just going to take that verse 48, that we can stand between the dead and the living, Lord, with the answer with, this, with the gospel, with the good news, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we can stand and the plague can stop uh, no matter what's happened because of Yeshua's sacrifice. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you for your calling and your, your amazing blessing, your amazing, amazing answers to prayer and your amazing faithfulness. We love you. If you've never received Yeshua, boy, God loves you. And he can give you a brand new start right now. He really does. He really does love you. He really does love you and has paid for your sins. 
and the plague, whatever difficulties, whatever's going on in your life, whatever you've faced can stop right now. He can give you a brand new start right now. Say, Yeshua, I trust you. I'm trusting Yeshua into my life. I want Jesus into my life. I want a new start. God, forgive me. I come to you. Open my heart up to you. I want to receive you. And he's doing it right now. You have a new, you pass from death to life, the Bible says. You'll be, you're born again. It's a brand new start. So every, you could talk to any, many here that have had that experience. What, a, what an opportunity. And uh, praise you, Lord. Thank you, God, for a new start. If you prayed it, please talk to someone here after service or write us, contact us if you're, if you're online watching. Ya er adonai panave lecha vichunecha. Yisa adonai panave lecha viyasem lecha shalom. Vishem Yeshua hamashiach sar ha shalom. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai, turn his face toward you and grant you his shalom. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.